Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in my home studio today without Pastor Nick, but never fear, because today I am introducing his message, The Four Passovers. And uh, I'm very excited because I know many of you guys out there are uh, on your own. You're quarantined in your homes. You're you're doing very little um, to get you know out and about and see other people. And so I want you to be encouraged. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you're doing the right thing um, by helping everyone else. You know, kind of kick this and flatten the curve. But just like the children of Israel. They stayed in their homes with their families. They quarantined themselves, and the death angel passed over them. And so for us, we don't want to take part in the plague. We want no part in it. We want to get through this. And so I want you guys to be encouraged and listen in to hear Pastor's message on the four Passovers. Here's Pastor Nick. Shabbat shalom, everyone. I'm Pastor Nick Plummer with Beit Tehillah Congregation located in beautiful downtown Brandon, Florida. That's right. And uh, I'm excited to share with you some uh, inspiring things have I, that, that I've come to the conclusion of and, uh, and, and actually experienced. And so uh, I want to thank the leadership of Beit Tehillah and all the staff for all that they have done and all that they continue to do uh, as we are separated, but still, of course, uh, following the spiritual principles, and we are still a community, even though we are apart. And of course, I want to make this announcement that uh, even at this time, we are not having services. Uh, we are going to follow the uh, guidelines set out by the government and uh, the President of the United States of America, along with Vice President Pence, that, that he's over this coronavirus task team, uh, that they're going to have a, a continuing of the guidelines that were given, which is, of course, to quarantine, to stay at home, and only go out for necessities for you know uh, the drugstore, the grocery store. And so that's why we're not going to be having services at Bay to Heal at this time. But we are going to be live streaming. We want to thank Pastor Russell and the media team for allowing that to happen because, once again, we are going to stay connected. We are still on the journey. We're moving forward. And so I want to share with you this timely message that is very important for you to understand as we are preparing and moving forwards in the season of redemption. Uh, it's called The Four Passovers, The Feast of Unleavened Bread, and communion. Okay. So once again, I'm going to be sharing the four Passovers, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and communion. So let's go ahead and start with Leviticus chapter 23 in verse 2. Leviticus chapter 23 in verse 2 says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Goes on to talk about the Shabbat and, of course, the seven other feasts. Now, if you look at this word feasts, it is the Hebrew word moed, okay, singular, and moedim is plural. So it's in the Strong's Concordance, number 4150, a moed. What is a moed? It's an appointment, a fixed time or season, an assembly as 
convened for a definite purpose. Also, it means a signal. It means a signal. So as we are preparing our hearts and our lives for the, for the brand new feast cycle of 2020, we are preparing for the Feast of Passover. So let's jump right into this. Let's look at the four Passovers. Okay, because the four pass actually, if you look at it, the uh, the four Passovers uh, actually show us a progressive revelation of God's redemptive plan. Once again, the four Passovers show us a progressive revelation of God's redemptive plan. Now you're thinking four Passovers. I thought there was only one Passover. Well, once again, some of you know this, some of you don't, but we are going to be sharing the four Passovers just to show you how close we are to even closing in on this fourth and final Passover. So the first Passover is the family Passover. It's called the family Passover. It can be found in Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 51. Now, this is exciting because in March of 92, uh, I, of course, became born again uh, in the spring of 1992, and I was almost 25 years of age. I'm 52 now, so you can do the math. Uh, what, 27 years of being born again? Gave my life to the Lord in my apartment, changed my life. I confessed with my mouth. I, I believed in my heart, and that God raised him from the dead, and I was saved. It just changed my life, and God began to just open up my heart to all the things that he wanted to share with me and to pour his spirit out into me. And of course, with that, I began to uh, serve the Lord and go to church and do some different things. But the, but the cool thing was, I actually got my Hebrew roots in the spring of 1995. Uh, and this is when I actually celebrated my very first Passover with, of course, uh, Batya and Angus Wooten. And we had a great time. And I was with the Dreyer family, uh, Pastor Tifa and, and Randy and their two daughters. And of course, uh, they were coming together and, and, and actually experiencing Hebrew roots in their home. And they kind of took me in and, and took me on. And so uh, it was a great time as I reflect on that. What a divine appointment. And I'm only sharing this because it's a personal experience. So I'm not only sharing with you academia, the Word of God by the Spirit, but I'm also sharing my experiences as well. So think about it. You know, that's a long time uh, to, of course, be celebrating Passover. So with that, it was my first opportunity not only celebrating this family Passover, but the three Passovers as well, all four Passovers uh, in 1995 in the spring. So let's jump right in here and let's look at a verse here. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12 in verse 3. And you can read along with me on your screen. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Now check that out. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Each house had to have a lamb. So check it out. So on the tenth day, you are to take this lamb and bring it, of course, into your home. And if we were to go back 3,500 years ago, this would actually be taking place, of course, uh, tonight in the evening on April the 4th, which is the year 2020. So this evening coming up, Tonight in the evening would be, of course, uh, the 10th day of the first month. Now, let's move on. Let's look at Exodus chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. When they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Wow, well, simple instructions here. Take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts. Wow, look at that. But here we have three ingredients needed to celebrate Passover. 
Law first mentioned, three ingredients needed to celebrate the Passover. A lamb, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. You'll see it in here as eat the flesh, which is the lamb, unleavened bread, which is bread without leaven, and bitter herbs. Once again, here we have three main ingredients needed to celebrate Passover. Law of first mention. Once again, these items are all symbolic, and we will develop this as as we move along. Oh, and by the way, for those of you that are watching, uh, I only need uh, two people to be excited, and I will count those two people in their home. So let's move on. We're in Exodus 12. We did verse 3, verses 7 and 8. Now let's progressively move forward, and let's get into Exodus chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So here we go. Here's a quick plug. You need to celebrate the Feast of Passover in your home, okay, April the 8th, it's right here, Passover Eve, April 8th, going into April the 9th, and April 9th in the evening begins Unleavened Bread. But I have something for you. Just outside the church doors is a a clear plastic tub, and within that clear plastic tub is a blue folder and the 15 steps of the Passover Seder books. Now, what we have designed for you is to do these Seders in your home. Now, contained within the folder are some handouts, coloring pages for children. We have some recipes. We actually have the Passover list for you to check off. Uh, And then, of course, we have recipes for matzah, uh, roasting lamb, uh, uh, even doing some parts of the traditional Uh, Seder in regards to the Seder plate as well. But we have these materials for you. All we ask for you to do is to come by, sign your name, tell us how many books or Seder books you've taken, and only take one blue folder per family, okay? So this is something that we want you to do. We're putting this in your hands because we are discovering that God is actually doing something in the earth today, Uh, even for those that don't believe. Uh, He is actually wanting us to celebrate Passover in our homes. We're actually forced into it. You know, God creates circumstances and situations sometimes to get our attention. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you celebrate uh, a Passover Seder in your home, April the 8th in the evening, uh, which goes into the next day, or, or even that day, I mean, really, you are truly going to be blessed. Now, we know we can't have large parties coming together and all of that, but the bottom line is that you can celebrate the Passover Seder. So once again, those are some questions Uh, that you're going to ask yourself at this point in time, honey, are we going to do this? And what's the answer? Yes, we are. So come on by. Also, call the office, or you can email me personally at pastornick at twopraise.net. Love to answer your emails. Love to help you. I'll be there for you. Guide you on. If you have any questions whatsoever, email me. I promise I'll get back with you, and you can hold me to that. Now, as we break down this scripture, it's something very interesting that jumped out at me yesterday when I was studying. It says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, this is where we get Passover or Pesach. It's the Hebrew word Pesach. Now, I know this sounds a little funny, but it means to hop. It means to hop or figuratively to skip over or to spare. Uh, By implication, to hesitate. 
literal, uh, to limp. Uh, and it also means, and it's right there in your Strong's Concordance, uh, number 6452, it means to dance. Now, what's interesting is that not everybody is going to catch the coronavirus. It, it, it seems to hop or skip other people or, or areas. And of course, there are some areas of contamination. And by the way, this virus is highly contagious. But I find it interesting that it says here, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now, Egypt represents the world and the world represents Egypt. So we can literally say at this point in time, they're closing in on 800,000 positive cases of coronavirus around the world. And I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I've been kind of keeping up with it because once again, we're trying to look at this worldly curve. You know, when is the coronavirus going to level off at some decent numbers? And I would like to submit to you that I'm thinking something along the lines of Passover Eve to the week of unleavened bread. Let's see if the curve doesn't start to level off after Passover. Now we want it to level off right now. We pray that in Yeshua's name, but it's just food for thought. Okay. Think about it. It's literally food for thought. Perhaps we celebrate Passover and God's plague will pass over us. It will pass over the world, okay? So that's just, that's just something for you to think about. And I think that we should take the Feast of Passover seriously. This particular word plague is the Hebrew word negaf. It's number uh, 5663 in the Strong's Concordance. It means a trip, like of the foot, like somebody st sticking their foot out and tripping you. You know, and that's what the coronavirus does. You're going through life, and all of a sudden the coronavirus puts its foot out there, and you stumble, and you get it. Uh, some people are recovering. Some people have died from this. But it actually means an infliction of disease. So here's the thing, you know, and, and, and I'm just saying this to all of you, that, you know, uh, there are cases in the Bible where God has the, the plague come upon the people for their disobedience. Uh, one example I'd like to give to you is the golden calf incident. Uh, after 3,000 were, were killed by the sword among the Levites, uh, then it says in the very last verse of chapter 32 in regards to the golden calf incident, they were guilty of idolatry and sexual immorality. It says that God put a plague on the people. Now, we don't know the exact numbers uh, back then, but it says he put a plague on the people. So we don't, we don't know how many people died from that particular plague. Uh, and I also want to remind you that in, in Matthew 24 in the Olivet Discourse, Yeshua makes mention that there would be pestilences in different places. If we go back 2,000 years ago to when Yeshua spoke this, you know, uh, we can discover and see now that we've had the bubonic plague, we've had the Spanish flu, we've had the uh, Ebola, uh, and now this coronavirus. Uh, the Spanish flu was over 100 years ago in 1918. Uh, they estimate at least 17 million people died from that. So this is a time not to be fearful or scared of coronavirus, but this is a time to cry out to God and to be consecrated, set apart, get your house in order. And so this is an incredible portion of scripture here that we all should try to consider. So why do some people get it and some people don't? Uh, once again, it says right there that this, this, this plague would just go over the house that had the blood on it. it. It would not come into that home. So right now we just plead the blood of Yeshua on our homes and our lives uh, that this plague will pass over us. This plague will pass over us and go to a dry land where it won't inhabit anyone. That's what we speak over this coronavirus. So once again, this took place in Egypt. The family Passover took place in Egypt. Isn't it interesting that Egypt represents the world and the world represents Egypt? 
And I want this all to be relevant because, you know, you don't want me to sit here and ramble on and on about my opinions. Okay, I'm inspired. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the Word. I have experiences. And, I'm, and I want to encourage you uh, to be thinking about these things. If you're sitting in front of the television all the time, you know, watching the news and all these other things, it can be very overwhelming, uh, to say the least. So we want to be encouraged, you know. Uh, God's perfect love casts out fear. Remember that. So that's the first Passover. Let's move into the second Passover. Uh, it's called the Congregational Passover. And you can find this in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. So we've, we've given you the example of the family Passover in the homes, like we're going to be doing on April the 8th. And I encourage you to do that. Families become congregations. So let's look at this portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy 16.2. Let's read along. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Now, where is this place? Where is this place in Deuteronomy 16.2? In the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there, it's Israel. Here we have Jerusalem, Israel, the view from the Mount of Olives. This is where his name is. Okay, and so we have the three national feast days, Passover, right, Shavuot or Pentecost, and Tabernacles or Sukkot. Those are the three national feast days that all the males are to appear before the Lord in Yerushalayim. So once again, families become congregations. Now we have a congregational Passover where all the families would come together. It's kind of like Beit Tehillah. Is, is celebrating a congregational Passover, you know, uh, in spirit because we make up families. Families make up a congregation. Congregation makes, makes up families. Now, this is just something to think about before I get into the third Passover. Perhaps God is allowing us to come together as families so that we could heal the congregations. You know, if the families are sick and out of order and the, and the husband's not looking to Christ, the family is broken. There's no divine order. But if the husband is looking to Christ, the wife looks to the husband and the children look to the parents, we actually have divine order. And I know there's a lot of single mothers uh, watching this teaching as well. And our heart goes out to you because you don't have the, the father figure that you don't have the husband at this time. But the Lord will be your husband, you know, until he brings the right person in your life or, or even a second marriage, a second chance at marriage. But, but just trust him that it's all about divine order. So, so if something's broken, God wants to fix it. So he's actually created this coronavirus to, to allow it to take over the world. And like I said, it, it's, it's very interesting. And at this time, the statistics are pretty clear that there are only uh, six or seven nations that have a thousand or more deaths. This thing could be a lot worse at this time. So we are just really, really just hoping for the best and getting through this, that by his stripes, we are healed. Right now, we don't have the virus, we're, we're okay, but those that get it need, need the healing power of Yeshua, that by his stripes, you are healed. And that's what we need to be praying for those that are afflicted. So let's move on, because here we have the third Passover is the personal Passover. Uh, it's found in Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. Now we go from the family Passover to the congregational Passover to, of course, even in Jerusalem with the Last Supper. We go to the personal Passover. Here we go. Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. Let's read it out loud. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's just stop right there. What did he do? He took the bread. Here's the bread, right? Here's the bread. What does he say? Take, eat. This is my body, okay? And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament. So now here's the cup. Here's the wine, the grape juice, okay? His blood and his body. His blood and his body. So this is very important for you to understand this. Uh, and we're going to be getting into communion as well. But let's continue on, finishing up this portion of Scripture. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Wow. So he's actually referencing a future Passover. He's referencing that, listen, he takes the cup. He says, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, this is what has to be established right out of the gate right now, especially the times in which we live. And I want to encourage you in this because I'm doing this for myself. Yeshua took bread, he broke it, and he gave it. Now, this is what he wants to do for you. He wants to take you, he wants to break you, and give you. So right now, you could be a servant of the Most High God. Let him take you, let him break you, and let him give you to others. You know, make some phone calls, check on your neighbors, be productive. Don't just quarantine yourself in the home and binge, binge watch Netflix. Nothing wrong with watching a little bit of TV, but be praying and thinking about how you can help or how you can serve. You know, and I know it's hard that we can't be together, but you could do a drive-by blessing. You could do a drive-by drop-off, or you could pick up food for somebody, or make sure somebody has toilet paper. You know, I never thought I would see the day where there would be no toilet paper on the shelf. Are you kidding me? My name is Nick Plummer. I'm a plumber. There better be toilet paper. Think about it. Never have I ever thought that that day would come. That day is here. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? We can't even we can't even foresee that. You know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. So consider that as you examine your, your ways and as you look at this bread and as you look at this cup. We're looking at a future supper. We're looking at a future supper. Now here is a picture like of Yeshua being at a table. And I want to say something because this is so important for those that are watching this. The church today should keep the feasts. Let's look at Colossians 2. I'm having a good time. Colossians 2. I want to read verses 13 to 17. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What were the handwriting of ordinances that was against us? The blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. We broke Torah. 
It was the charges against us that were nailed to the cross. It wasn't the law. It was the charges, right? But it goes on to say, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Amen. The body is of Christ. So much is in here. You know, uh, the Torah was not nailed to the cross. It was the charges against us that he took. He says, you violated Torah. You went against this marriage covenant. Take those charges. Take all the sins and place them on me, past, present, future. And this is what happens. He bore them on the cross. As we look whether we should celebrate the feast or not, we can actually go back here to the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. He's telling the church of Corinth, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And what is malice? It's ill intent to somebody else. You wish harm on somebody else. You wish harm would come to them. You, 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 just, you don't really bless them. Uh, you really, really curse them. Uh, but he says right here, Therefore let us keep the feast. What is the feast? Pesach, Passover. Not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So if the Apostle Paul were to write a letter to every church, he would write a letter to the church of Beit Tehillah, to the church of the Beit Tehillians. <laughs> keep the feast, right? So why are we doing it? We need to keep the feast. Uh, I love this picture. It's a picture that uh, my son uh, drew. Uh, his name is Nehemiah. And uh, how powerful is that to have your children uh, draw a picture, of course, of Yeshua on a cross. And once again, uh, uh, sin was so bad that a man had to die. Think about it. A man had to die because sin was so bad. And not only did he have to die, but sin is so bad that he had to suffer and die. Suffer and be buried, but rose again on the third day. He suffered. Okay, He had nails in his hands and his feet, a spear through his side, thorny crown on his head, a cat of nine tails across his back. Think about that, everybody. And then that's just a fact. That's a fact. No greater love than this, than a, a, somebody lay down their life for their friends. So once again, we have the family Passover, congregational Passover, and the personal Passover. What I love about the personal Passover is that I believe it's time for the men to rise up. It's, it's, it's when the men were men and the women were glad. Okay, and once again, the, the men have broken this world. Men, we have to fix it. We have to turn into a handyman. That's not really my, my kind of trait, but I know in spiritual things and some other things, I can apply myself to make this world better and to fix the things that are broken. Once again, sin entered in through Adam, not through Eve, and that's why the second Adam had to come. So gentlemen, you are good enough. God loves you, and I appreciate you, and you're going to make it. So with the personal Passover, uh, the men can create families, which in turn create what? Congregations. Boy, that'll preach. Think about that. So if we have healthy uh, families, we can have healthy communities. Beit Tehillah as a congregation is only as strong 
as the families or the individuals. Because the, the word family in Hebrew is mishpaka. You might be divorced. You might be a widow or widower. You might be single. Okay, you're part of the mishpaka. You are part of the commonwealth of Israel. Okay, so it doesn't mean you have to be married and have kids to be mishpaka or family. You are grafted into the olive tree, which is Israel. You are part of the mishpaka as well. All ages, uh, all, all different circumstances. So we come to, of course, uh, the fourth Passover, which is the kingdom Passover, which is found in Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9. Now, are you still with me? Okay, because here we go. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. The kingdom Passover, the fourth and final Passover, we're moving towards it. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Wow, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And what? His wife hath made herself ready. What is this all about? We are justified by the finished work of the cross, but now we're being consecrated. We're being set apart through the teachings and instructions, the commandments of God, and what he's asking of us to be and to do. And, and to be holy takes action. Action uh, is, is holiness. And so we are taking the appropriate actions that God has given us to be holy. And once again, uh, we are, of course, being sanctified uh, by our actions, by what we do. Uh, and, and that's so important that you understand that. You know, just think about this beautiful, beautiful uh, marriage supper of the Lamb that is coming. We are 2,000 years closer to that than ever before, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Think about all these people that are going to be sitting at this table. We're talking about Adam and Eve even, Noah, Abraham, all sitting at the table, all coming to the table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. The apostle Paul, that's right, the Apostle Paul and, and all, of the, all the disciples, and we're all going to be at this table, the marriage of the Lamb. That is so encouraging right there. You know, I, I know teaching the four Passovers is a teaching in and of itself, but because of the sake of time and the urgency, I've thrown in a couple other things in here as well to encourage you. So the day following Passover is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So on the 14th uh, day of the first month, uh, is, of course, Pesach. It's, it's Passover. Uh, as we go into the 15th day, the very next day in the evening, it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So let's check this out in Exodus 12, 15. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. It's interesting. Notice he's telling you that for seven days, you are to eat unleavened bread. It's not like you're replacing this puffy bread with leaven, with unleavened bread, and you only take a bite of it or you only look at it. No, no. It's saying that you are to eat unleavened bread every day for seven days to remember, to remind yourself. That's all found in the 15 steps of the Passover Seder in regards to the unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, there's so many good things in here. You're going to enjoy it. It's life-changing. Some of you need a life change. You might be going through a midlife crisis right now. This is going to set you free. Amen. And as a matter of fact, it's, it's, it's set so many people free. I am so looking forward to doing a Seder in my home. 
So once again, seven means completion. We have seven days in a week. We have the seventh day is the Sabbath. Uh, seven days of unleavened bread, you know, not having leaven. Then we get the party uh, in, in the fact of the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated for seven days with great joy and puffy bread. But for seven days, we have unleavened bread. Also, you have seven branches on the menorah. Seven means completion. It's cyclical. Seven is cyclical. So let's continue on. Let's find this particular Feast of Unleavened Bread in Leviticus chapter 23. Oh, verses 5 and 6. In the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Somebody pointed this out to me some years ago that, Pastor Nick, you're supposed to eat unleavened bread every day for seven days. I thought, wow, I never thought about that. I just ate it like once or twice or three times or whatever. But man, I'm supposed to be eating unleavened bread every day as a reminder, right? As a reminder, okay? Let's look at Deuteronomy 16, verses 3 and 4. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, therewith even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even, remain all night until the evening, or till the morning, I'm sorry. Uh, remain all night until the morning. So these are some instructions that are given for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I hope you're still with me. I hope this isn't redundant. So once again, Deuteronomy 16, verses 3 and 4. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread. With it seven days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. So I hope you caught that. You're supposed to eat unleavened bread every day for seven days. Once again, let's have this scripture uh, once again, I shared it before. I'll share it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Paul says they're unleavened bread. Think about it. He likens them, the church of Corinth, to unleavened bread. Now we know the church of Corinth, man, that was this area was corrupt. The Corinthians, I mean, they, they had temple prostitutes. They were, they were doing all kinds of things. Greek mythology. I mean, Zeus, Dionysus, uh, Diana. I mean, here it is. It's all right here. Look at this. And so he's liking them to unleavened bread. You know, God sees you better than you see yourself. You know, it's like Gideon hiding in the wine press threshing wheat. And he's hiding because out of fear. And the angel of the Lord comes. Oh, mighty man of God. He's like, you talking to me? Hey, you talking to me? And he's, of course, what? Threshing the wheat in the wine press. So, very interesting. Uh, we need to think more highly of each other than we do, okay? Think about that. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a picture of God's children getting the leaven or sin out of their lives after accepting Yeshua as their personal Lord and Savior being born again, okay? All the Christians should be celebrating Passover, okay? There's so much... Uh, for the Christians to learn and to have and to be encouraged and inspired. The Feast of Passover is celebrated for just one day, but the Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrated for seven days. So it's a one-day event for Passover. It's like being born again, okay? And it's a, it, you can't get more born again. And then, of course, what is it? It's seven days to get the sin out, to understand your life cycle, that that's what you're going to spend the rest of your life doing, right, is to get that sin out. The seven days 
represent what a completion. That's what God is doing with us. So once again, I am so excited that I got to share with you the four Passovers. I got to share with you the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And now this is like the icing on the cake because you got to do this before, before you know, Passover because you can't have leaven. So this right here is going to be the icing on the cake, communion, communion. I want to share about communion with you because if you do the 15 steps of the Passover Seder, you will minister communion to those at the table. That's right. You, you, are, you are a minister. You are an ambassador of Christ, and you, you have his authority, and you can do it. You can actually minister communion uh, to yourself and to others, and that is what's so, it's what's so important. Communion is defined in the Webster's Dictionary as the following. Number one, a sharing of something with others, to have communion. Now, right now, we don't get to have that, do we? We're limited to like what? They say 10 people in a group with uh, six feet of space. But communion is a sharing of something with others. Number two, a Christian sacrament in which bread and wine are consumed as the substance or symbols of Christ's body and blood in commemoration of the death of Christ. Once again, a Christian sacrament in which bread and wine are consumed as the substance or symbols of Christ's body and blood in commemoration of the death of Christ. Okay, so let's continue on as we are studying and looking at communion. Because we have sinned and become disobedient, God shows us in the very beginning of the Bible two very fundamental principles. Remember, it's a bloody gospel. There's no other way around it. It is a bloody gospel. Number one, when we sin, something has to die. Number two, when we sin, blood has to be shed. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21 is very clear. God clothed Adam and Eve with the coats of skins. Remember, they, they used fig leaves. God says, no, no, no. He put coats of skins on them. So that literally means that, that blood had to be shed, a life had to be given, and there is, of course, the flesh. We have the coats of skins. Uh, let's look at it. Leviticus Chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So remember, in the book of Leviticus, it's broken up into two parts. Chapters 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. And if you'll notice, I read to you from Leviticus chapter 17. So the way to God is very clear. Uh, and of course, we can find this reference even in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. It's always good to repeat these things and read them over and over and over again. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, as we look at this, we know that this unleavened bread represents what? Yeshua's body. For the sake of time, we read all the scriptures, but I want to give them to you. Yeshua is the bread of life. In John chapter 6, verses 25 through 69, Yeshua is the bread of life. This is a lot of verses here. Let's look at a few verses here. In John chapter 6, verses 32 and 33, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Now we know that God gave the children of Israel manna, right? He gave them manna. But to give life unto the world, God gave his only begotten son. Isn't that the coolest thing? He says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven, right? In John chapter 6, verses 53 and 54, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Do you see the symbolism in that? Did you just see the symbolism in that? Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. When he said this, this was the result, the consequences here of the group. John chapter 6, verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Wow. But check this out. It's because of this. In John chapter 6, verse 66, it's kind of interesting. 666. Six is the number for man. Just interesting. This is what it says. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You know, this saying was too hard. This saying was too hard. You know, it's interesting, you know, as, as we are on this journey, uh, which in the movement is called, of course, the, the Hebrew roots uh, of the Christian faith, you know, the Hebrew root movements of the Christian faith. This is a movement, you know. And now that, that the two houses are coming together, Christians and Jews, Judah and Ephraim, we see this happening. Some are like, this is a hard saying. They're falling away. They're falling away. Uh, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are no longer at Beit Tehillah walking with us, and we, we really wish the best for them. We hope the best for them. But that's just the way it is. That's, that's what happens. And this is why we have the renewed covenant with Yeshua. It's not a new covenant. It's renewed. Uh, remember, the blood of bulls and goats only covers our sins. Jesus takes our sins away. He doesn't cover them. He takes them away as far as the east is from the west. When you ask for forgiveness for your sins, they are forgiven. So let's look at this renewed covenant again. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 to 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And remember, he's looking forward to the marriage supper of the lamb. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Boy, this is just a great time to be redeemed, isn't it? It's a great time. So in conclusion here, in finishing up here, uh, I want to share with you some instructions. They're actually Paul's instructions for communion. You can find this in 1 Corinthians 11, 17, verse 17 through 34. 
So I want to kind of break this down for you. These are Paul's instructions for communion. Keep it in context. So from verse 17 to 34 in his letter, and we're going to break this down as well into seven disorders in the church. You can once again find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. So he's going to give you instructions on what to do, but he's also going to give you seven disorders that are in the church that he doesn't like. He says, you can't be doing these things. And this is applicable to Beit Tehillah today or to any church that wants to minister or have the sacrament of communion. So let's look at it right out of the gate here. Let's, let's just look right at, at it out of the gate here. Verse 17 of chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Wow. So he's writing this letter, and he's, he's actually pointing something out. That what? Number one, there's divisions. Verse 18, divisions among you. Uh, this is the Strong's uh, word or, or Greek word schisma in the Strong's Concordance. It's number 4978. A schisma, like a schism. It means a split or gap. So within the church of Corinth, there were divisions, okay? And we can see this right here. He, he states it right here. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So they're divided. So that's number one. Uh, one of the disorders is, of course, this division, the split or gap. Now, if we go into this, we go into number two, there's heresies in verse 19. There are heresies. Let's look at verse 19. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So the second thing is heresies, and this is the Greek word uh, heresies. Uh, it's number 139. It means a choice a party or sect. The word itself has no evil meaning. It simply means a doctrinal view or belief at variance with the recognized and accepted tenets of a system, church, or party. Okay, so once again, the, the vision of Beit Tehillah is to build a strong community, raise up the next generation. And of course, he, he's saying that, listen, you have divisions and you have heresies. So that means there's division, right? Because people aren't following the vision of the house they're bringing in some other false teaching or they're bringing in some other doctrine or vision that is not the true vision of the house. And that's what we're seeing, of course, in, in, in of course, this in the heresies. Uh, as we move on in verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Oh, wow. Wow, look at this. So, so this is what we're having right now. After divisions and heresies, then we go into what? Selfishness, verse 21. Those that brought food did not share with those who had no food. That's what he's saying. There were those that were drunk. Think about it. Those that brought food did not share with those who had no food, and there were those that were drunk. And this is what was happening in the church. Uh, these are the charges. So once again, uh, here we have... Actually, it says right here, I told you before and I'll say it again. These are disorders. The first one was what? Divisions. Number two is heresies. Number three, selfishness. We need to make sure that the needs of others are provided for, you know, and this is all happening within the Corinth church. As we keep moving along here, I mean, think about it. And, and there were those that were drunk. 
So they were drinking the wine in the church and they were getting drunk. Uh, very interesting. Remember, the, the Bible doesn't speak uh, against alcohol. It speaks against drunkenness. So this is all applicable for today. It's relevant. So verse 22, what? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not, right? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. He's going to be going into these instructions now. Okay, so what he's actually saying right here, number four, the misuse of the church. He's like saying, listen, eat and drink at home. Okay, you don't partake of communion because you're hungry and you're thirsty physically in the natural. He says you need to eat and drink at home. So once again, we have the misuse of the church. Also, we have in verse 22, number five, shaming the poor. We have, of course, shaming the poor, which is not good at all. Uh, because it says right here, why aren't you providing for them? Why don't they have a meal? You know, uh, as we move on, what does Yeshua say here through, through the letter of Paul? When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, and this ye do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So that's right there after the misuse of the church, shaming the poor, then we have this. This is so important, this, these instructions. He says in verse 26 of chapter 11 of Corinthians, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Communion is about the Lord's death and, and telling people that, hey, Yeshua died for your sins. Yeshua died on the cross. It, this is to remember his death. Think about it. Now, going over this, we have seven disorders in the church. Number one is divisions. Number two are heresies. Number three is selfishness. Number four is misuse of the church. Number five, shaming the poor. And number six is partaking unworthily of the Lord's Supper with its benefits. Partaking unworthily of the Lord's Supper with its benefits Verses 27 through 30. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. See? Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, okay? For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, and many sleep. He's saying, take this seriously. You don't just schlep in and schlep out. It's a time of self-examination. It's a time to understand the symbolism of, of this cup and, and the wine or the grape juice and, and the unleavened bread that you're going to partake of. It's all symbolic. It's a picture to keep it in mind and to slow down. Because look at this. The seventh and final 
right? The seventh and final disorder is a failure to judge selves. A failure to judge selves, verse 31 through 34. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that you come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. Wow. Now, you know, we, we always want to be stimulated in our phones and Netflix and the computer. And, but, you know, this is something you need to just kind of open up because you have time now. Some of you have time to open this up and reexamine it, right? Because what is, what, what is he saying? Check this out. 1 Corinthians 1, 11.31. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So the seventh disorder is the failure to judge yourself. So there you have it. These are laid out for us, perfectly laid out for us. So let's look at them again. You can find Paul's instructions for communion found in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 34. The seven disorders in the church is number one, divisions. Number two, heresies. Number three, selfishness. Number four, misuse of the church. Number five, shaming the poor. Number six, partaking unworthily of the Lord's Supper with its benefits. Number seven, failure to judge selves. Okay. This whole process can be found in Daniel chapter 12, verse 10. This whole process can be found in Daniel chapter 12, verse 10 in in conclusion here. We are concluding. Okay, let's read it. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Remember, God consecrated the high priest Aaron and his sons for a work for him. And even today, basically, it says here, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. See, the natural man cannot receive the spiritual things of God. The natural man cannot receive them. It's your spirit man that needs to receive the things of the spirit that are God. It's a three-part process. Number one, to be purified. This is the Hebrew word barar. It's number 1305 of the Strong's Concordance. It means a self-examination. This is what it means. Don't be examining everybody else. Don't be second-guessing the government and your spouse and your kids or the church or whatever it is, or people. Examine yourself right now. Get alone with God. Number two, number two to be made white is, is the Hebrew word laban. Laban, doesn't he sound familiar? It's number 3835 in the Strong's Concordance. It means to become white. Now, we know that Jacob's father-in-law, Laban, or Laban, Laban was a, a, a shady character. He was like not white or, or black, but kind of gray. He had some gray areas. So it means to be made white or to become white. And last but not least, to be tried. It's number 6884 in the Strong's Concordance. It's zaraf. It means to purge away. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? What I'm saying is that we have to put this all together. I'll go back one. Daniel 12.10. 
Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Don't you understand that this world is under judgment? This world has to have a process. We have to figure out what is God asking of us. Amen? So here's the quote in conclusion. Commit to a self-examination to become white and purge away those things that are not pleasing to God. Commit to self-examination, to a self-examination, become white and purge away those things that are not pleasing to God. I love that. I love this. You know, as I look at Daniel here, as I look at Daniel, it's a fascinating book of prophecy, by the way. And, and, and let me tell you something. It's the skeleton of prophecy is the book of Daniel. But there's also a verse in here that I want to remind you all. Daniel 12, 3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Wow. There are those who are going to turn many to righteousness. That's us. That's you. Say, that's me. That's me. So when taking communion, it should be unleavened bread, just like Yeshua did along with his disciples at the Last Supper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you for communion. Thank you for allowing us to partake of this. Thank you, Father, that this is his body. This is his blood. And we stop and we examine ourselves. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all iniquity. Father, for we are worthy. If we do a self-examination and we slow everything down, we're going to do it in the right order because communion brings healing. Communion brings answer to prayer. Father, communion brings us closer to you. And we are to do this in remembrance of him. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for this. We take it seriously, and we just appreciate it. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us of our sins, cleansing us of all iniquity, and just bringing us closer to you and, and giving us more hope than we could ever imagine right now. We ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So I appreciate all of you. I have hope for you. I have a love for you, and we're going to get through this. And you know what? We need to end on a good note, you know? So let's sing Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat 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 Shalom, Shabbat Shabbat, Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And remember, April 8th is Passover Eve. Come by the church, get you a blue folder, get you some Seder books, and just invite the Lord into your home. For now is the time to serve the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. So hallelujah. Shabbat shalom, everyone.